Welcome back, and, and happy Mother's Day, Richard. Happy Mother's Day to you, too. That sounds like an odd uh, way to start the day, but it, here we it, are. It does. Now, now, the podcast isn't really necessarily about Mother's Day specifically, but of course, we can't um, post a podcast on Mother's Day without saying happy Mother's Day. Mother's Day, right. So uh, we're going to talk a little bit about moms in the podcast, but um, because we're going to talk about the the some of the additional impacts that um, that COVID-19 has had on us as a, as a, you know, as a country, as people, and what it influence it has had, especially on our mental health. And right. um, there's been some new reports that's come out that are talking about this and it, the, the figures and the implications are really striking. And yeah, they really are. Um, I saw this, it says, uh, uh, our mental health crashed in 2020, and recovery could take years. And we we knew it's um, we knew it's been a that the mental health problems have increased. Um, we've talked about it before. Right. You know, we're reading about it, but then you say recovery could take years, and yeah. that struck me. Okay, well, what is, what is that about? So I encountered the title, and I thought I got to take maybe take a closer look at this and see what right. he's talking about. And then I wanted to see who wrote it. Yeah. And, uh, and so I went to the author. His name is Daniel Van Boom. Boom, like boom. boom. Mm-hmm. And so I thought, well, who's Daniel Van Boom? He's an Australian, Sydney-based news editor. Right. And normally we write these bios ourselves. Mm-hmm. You know, people say, well, give me your bio. And yeah, yeah, yeah. So he wrote this. He said, Daniel Van Boom is a Sydney-based news editor. He excites people with his last name and then promptly disappoints them with his personality. And I thought, I need to know more about this guy. So it's like, despite, despite the wittiness of that line, um, he's trying to say that his, um, his personality isn't quite as explosive. Exactly. So I thought anybody with that kind of sense of humor and self-effacing attitude has to be worth reading. Yeah. So I thought, well, let me take a look at this thing. And as I read it, it's a, quite a lengthy article, by the way. It's, it's a little bit longer than what we usually post. Um, but it's, it's fairly long, a lot of, um, data, a lot of, um, statistics and numbers, but, um, don't let that deter you. It's probably worth reading. Yeah. And, and, you know, I guess we should, we should sort of start out by saying that we're still getting data, right? You know, a lot of times when we're talking about, Hmm. especially health related or mental health related data, um, you know, we will get data this year, but the data is actually from like two or three years ago. So it's the data will be trickling in um, as we look at the overall effect that COVID-19 has had on our physical health, our mental health, you know, housing, all those different things. Um, But when we just look at sort of hard data, anecdotal data over the past year and some change since the COVID um, crisis hit, it's it's striking and it, it warrants a discussion. Exactly. And he begins, he begins the discussion with a particular person, a guy by the name of James, mm-hmm. uh, who, lived in England, who lives in England. He's a uh, computer uh, software engineer, lives in England, and was diagnosed with depression in 2017. Yeah. And, then, and so he talks about his, um, James goes into therapy and uh, working with a therapist, and he begins to recover by 2019. Okay, which is fairly typical. And then COVID hit. Mm -hmm. And when COVID hit, first of all, 
we know that depression and anxiety are related to each other. And the first thing that happened is James got overwhelmed with anxiety because now he's thinking, well, I'm going to get infected. I'm going to die because those are the early days of the pandemic. And also he said, or I'm going to make other people sick. And I don't know whether I had forgotten about that, but we all worried about getting the illness because it was so mysterious in the beginning. But we also worried about giving it to other people, yeah. getting it from our kids, getting it from our, our partners. And so he was overwhelmed with anxiety. Then the next thing is we have lockdowns. Right. And in England, they had a big lockdown. And yeah. that, that imposed on James this numbing isolation, which is what the lockdown did. You went into lockdown. Yeah. Really yeah. And, and I can absolutely see the the effect that it had and appreciate the effect that it had on James with this example because you know we've talked many times on the podcast about how you know when you're dealing with depression it's really important to socialize and to get out with other people and sort right. of do the opposite of what the depression is trying to make you do which is to isolate and and um, stay alone and all that kind of stuff right. um, and so you do all of those things during recovery and you're going out and interacting with others. So to be in a situation where now you're on lockdown and you have to stay home, I'm sure that that, I, I can absolutely see how that would have an opposite effect on a person trying to recover from depression. Right, and that's exactly what happened to James, is that his therapy was to get out, to get to know people, to move out, get back out into the world, which is exactly what we tell people, if you wanna deal with depression, get out of the house and get going. Now you're on lockdown, yeah. and some people are on lockdown for months or years. So James relapsed. I mean, he, he, sure. he uh, all the gains that he had made disappeared. And um, there he was back where he started. So he has to recover. And if you think about it, and we, we've said many times that about 20% of in, uh, people um, meet criteria for a mental illness. Right. So all those 20% that were, oh, their symptoms were exacerbated mm -hmm. by the impositions of the COVID, of the pandemic. Right. Uh, the anxiety, the depression, the isolation, um, the fear that you would get it. And so all of these, all of these people, all of us who were suffering from mental health conditions, um, our symptoms were made worse by the pandemic. Right. Those who, those who were, were not diagnosed or had fewer symptoms or mild symptoms suddenly began to discover what people with depression and anxiety are going through because right. we all suffered from that kind of uh, isolation. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. And so we, we've heard sort of individual reports like James's where, where people who um, were either doing well or were starting to sort of slide back, um, you know, at the beginning of 2020, you know, as soon as COVID hit and those restrictions came and all of the other things that came with that, um, you know, their symptoms worsened. And the, whether it's depression or anxiety or paranoia. I mean, you know, we, we've seen so many of these symptoms significantly increase. Mm -hmm. um, and that's in adults and children and, right. and adolescents. We're, we're seeing it all over. They, um, you know, we'll get into some more, more data and everything, but um, there was a, I read an article recently where there's a school district in Las Vegas that has um, had to deal with 19 student suicides since the pandemic hit. So in, in within a year, they've had 19 students commit suicide wow. in one school district in oh, Las Vegas. Right. Um, but, but I mean, that's huge, you know? Um, so it's, 
it is a, it is a it is having a profound effect on our mental health. Right. Yeah. And so your your story about the the school district in Las Vegas and uh, James's story and many many other stories like it um, illustrates that the pandemic um, has um, created this mental health havoc across the world. I mean, this right. isn't uh, just the United States. And as it struck, there was a decline in uh, mental health in many countries. And it, it's been reported in something called the 2021 World Happiness Report. Right. I didn't know about a World Happiness Report, yeah. but you know those articles that you read about what's the happiest, yeah. what population is the happiest in the country mm -hmm. and who are the happiest people? It's from this World Happiness Report. So it's not a joke, it's actually data that are collected to, uh, and they're collected on a year. Well, and it sounds and it sounds very um, fluffy and all that kind of stuff. But really, I mean, what it's getting at is like quality of life and um, satisfaction with where you're living and the economics and your work and family and all those kinds of things. So it's it really is a, a, an important um, finding or an important right. report to read. Because when when states or cities like uh, cities get rated and mm -hmm. cities get rated on quality of life issues and right now how do the citizens feel and where are they the people happiest about their life? And so the World Happiness Report is a serious report, okay? Mm -hmm. So the remainder of this article, he goes through- um, um, A lot of data. <laughs> a lot of data um, from different countries, mm -hmm. uh, different types of data. And we thought, well, let's, let's just summarize a few of them and you get a flavor for what, uh, what we mean by mental health uh, difficulties. Right. Um, so there's a CDC report that would be from the United States that 42% of respondents said that they had, that they had increased symptoms of uh, depression, of mental health issues. And that 31%, the, the symptoms were serious enough, serious enough that 31% sought professional help. So it's not just a little, it's enough to get professional help. And that's a 200% increase. Yeah, and, and I think that what's really important with that is, okay, so, and this is the way that I read it, and, and you can tell me if you, you read it differently, because I, I've read some similar reports from even before the pandemic, um, that, you know, when you think about the number of people who suffer from mental health issues, right. uh, and so in this report, there were 42% of the respondents said they had a significant increase in symptoms, um, of those 42%, only 31% of them received mental health treatment. Right. Um, there was a report in from 2017 that, you know, again, thinking about adolescents, that about 13 to 14% um, uh, of those youth had a major depressive episode um, within the past year or so. But of them, only, only maybe 40% um, maybe received treatment. Right. So we're talking about... Uh, you know, a, a relatively large number of people um, in this sample, 42% and the one from 2017 before the pandemic, it was, you know, 13 to 14% of, of youth. But less than half of the people with these mental health issues are even receiving treatment. Right. And that's, 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 that's a huge concern. And the pandemic did make that worse because right. offices were closed and everything moved to teletherapy. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Right. So you have in this in this group, you have this 200 percent increase, 31 percent of respondents. In other words, almost one out of three are saying I'm having symptoms. OK, 30 percent of us. And so um, as it turns out, 
this uh, Luana uh, Margus from Harvard Medical School said, yeah. that means that one third of the world's population is feeling this. And she said, imagine if one third of the world's population had pneumonia or right. one third of the world's had asthma or one third had some physical illness. We would be panic stricken, okay? Right. One third of the world's population yeah. is, is suffering these effects, okay? And then he goes on to say that the pandemic has exerted, it's, has, has had three effects. Mm-hmm. One is that it has created anxiety that we will either get the illness Right. or that we will give the illness to somebody else. So we have increased anxiety. Then we have increased social isolation during lockdowns, and that creates depression. Mm-hmm. Then the third is financial pressures. And um, financial pressures um, were not experienced by everybody, but they were experienced um, unevenly. There's been a disparity in those who have experienced financial pressures. I remember when the pandemic first hit, um, many people lost their jobs, mm-hmm. you know, um, as restaurants closed and right. businesses closed. My son was working for a company in Austin, Texas, and the work that they did, they could not do in isolation. It was work that you had to go to places. Right. It was a construction um, kind of company and you had to go, they just shut down. They said, we, we can't do business in these circumstances. So they just closed the doors, shut yeah. the doors. Remember that there was, you know, even in our relatively small town in, in central Florida, um, there were, there was a time early on where um, like you were expected to stay home. And, and remember we had to make, we had to have notes that, that, so if we were stopped by police or whoever to say, Hey, we're, we're well, that's right. healthcare providers and we, you know, we are still going to work and we're helping to treat patients and stuff. Um, so, you know, I can imagine that, you know, certainly the data suggests that there were a lot of people who, who lost their work and, and employment at those times. And, you know, remember that anxiety is anxiety and depression, though they, they oftentimes present together. You know, those are two of the, the most common mental health conditions. Right. And so when you're talking about something like COVID and the social isolation in, in our, our you know, sort of social response to, to COVID, um, all of those things would exacerbate anxiety and depression. And so all of these people, that huge portion of the population that already is sort of predisposed for those things, when COVID hit, it only made those things worse. Right. And, and when we talk about financial pressures, because I can remember my son's reaction when, he, when they closed his company, and now he's been able to do other things, but um, many people can. But the interesting um, note with financial pressures is, and I did not know this, suicides increase by 1% for every 1% rise in unemployment. And we have watched the unemployment rate rise and fall during this pandemic by more than one percentage point. And so when you you realize that suicides are um, correlated to um, unemployment rates, you begin uh, it becomes now it becomes a, a, a much bigger concern. Yeah. So. Yeah. In, in the suicide rates, speaking of that, you know, the other data that was presented so says that shows us that the suicide rates did significantly increase in, in particular populations, especially right. um, it was, you know, in, I think it was by October of last year, um, over 2,100 um, Jap- was it Japanese. Um, yeah people 
had died from suicide, which was more than the number of people who had died from COVID in that same period, in that same time period. So it's like, imagine um, that, imagine that, that, that more people died of suicide than died of the pandemic, right. but the pandemic related suicides. Yeah. And, and so the, the, the government created a, a minister of loneliness, right. Um, right. Which, is, which is, which is a fascinating response. I think it's a, it, you know, it, it'll be interesting to see what the long-term um, effect that has on the population, but that, that's a, could potentially be a wonderful response to right. such a, such an event um, to create a, a, a division of the government that works to address those issues. Right. Yeah. That's, 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 I love the response to that. I mean, you, you think, what is a minister of loneliness, but that's a mental health issue. Right. And we're talking about, this is a country that has stepped in and said, we need to do recognizing that there's a problem stepping in and doing something about it yeah. rather than arguing about it. Yeah. Now, curiously, the suicide rate did not go up in the United States uh, right. for some reason. It didn't increase significantly in the US, but what did increase and what has created a problem for us is drug overdose deaths. Right. That's what that's where it's reflected in the US is in drug overdose deaths, not suicides, drug overdose. And the statistics here are alarming. Yeah. Uh, from between from August 2019 to August 2020, um, there were 52,000 deaths from um, overdosing on synthetic opioids. Right. Um, and again, you have to wonder. Probably what happened is that people who were struggling with addiction mm -hmm. got much worse because of the pandemic, right. because of the impositions. Right. And people who were on the verge of, or, or perhaps close to experiencing mental illness, it was enough to push them over the edge. Right. And um, so in this country, the problem was deaths by um, opioid um, uh, overdose. Okay. Yeah. In, in we have certainly, um, we've seen that even in our area, you know, reports of, you know, significant, significant numbers of people who have died of overdose of, um, from opiates. Right. Um, but, you know, when, when we think about this significant increase in depression and anxiety over mm -hmm. the past year, especially, um, what we do know, just like we, we talked about with COVID before, um, the COVID virus itself, um, anxiety and depression seems to be disproportionately hitting certain populations, certain groups of people. Um, and, and those people, you know, as we talk about it, it, it makes sense that it's these individuals, it's the women, um, the poor and, and young people. Um, I was surprised with the young people. Yeah. You know, I, we, we've been hearing about disparities among people of color, and among women, but I did not know about young people. So right. this, was, this was a revelation to me. Yeah, and, and I think that, um, you know, there's been data sort of trickling out um, related to this, but, you know, 66% of kids, seven to 15 years of age, had um, clinical signs, um, clinically significant signs of anxiety and depression. Um, yeah. And usually it's about 20 to 30%. Right. Um, mm -hmm. But 66%, I mean, that's it, two, two out of three. Right. That's right. That's, that's huge. Right. And it's not just here. You know, right. that's in the U.S. In France, it was the same thing. You know, it, it, they did uh, older teens and young adults 
ages 18 to 24, and the rates doubled between April and November. Yeah. Okay. China, the same thing, a 50% increase in depression in adolescence. So if you look worldwide, not just in the U.S., but if you look worldwide, you see these uh, really significant increases in anxiety and depression and other mental health issues in this in uh, young children uh, and teenagers and young adults. So this group from 7 to 25 um, has been adversely and disproportionately affected uh, by the pandemic. Right. And, and I think it, it makes sense that certain things, um, you know, it, it's difficult to understand initially, perhaps, but then as soon as you start thinking about some of the circumstances, it, right. it does make a little bit more sense. You, you know, these, this is the population that has least control of their right. environment, right? right? So, um, you know, as soon as March 2020 hit and, and things began to lock down, right. you know, they were no longer going to school. They were no longer seeing their friends. Um, they were no longer able to go outside and play. They were no longer able to, you know, go to the movies and do the things that, that right. kids and teens do. Mm-hmm. Um, and so those, the, between the school closures and the lockdowns, they really took a toll on peer relationships. And Richard, how many times did you talk to a teen and maybe would have never imagined hearing a teen say, I'm just kind of getting bored with playing video games? Right. I would have never imagined hearing it as much as I did, you know, by summer of last year. And the disruption, you know, um, I remember what, two weeks off at at, at holiday time, uh, you you didn't really want to go back to school after being off for a couple of weeks, right? Or you have summer vacation. There were kids who left class during spring break. So that was March of 2019. And didn't... 2020. Yeah. Yeah, 2020. Mm-hmm. And didn't return until January of 2021. Right. I mean, I, I would have had a horrible time adjusting yeah. to that. I just called you, dude. Dude, we just had, uh, you know, of course, I, I'm working in the schools. Um, the, the third semester, the, 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 I'm sorry, the fourth quarter just started, um, right. you know, like four or five weeks ago, about a month ago. Right. We had some students at, at a couple of my schools, we had some students returning to school for the first time from right. e-learning. Right. So not only was it from March of last year, but it was from March of last year until, you know, April or so um, of this year. So a full year out. Right. And we know the most important thing to kids is peer relationships. This right. is what moving out of their families and beginning to affiliate with kids their own age. Right. Peer relationships structure, um, routine, right. those are the things that are really important and they lost it for, lost for it. a year. Right, right. And so young people have been affected disproportionately. And the other problem with young people is that the effects, what they're feeling right now may manifest later. Right. You know, it may not really appear until later on. Right. And so you have this, that's what he means by, this is gonna be a long, long recovery. Right. Okay. Yeah. Um, when you think about the effects that it has on kids, you know, right. with the school closures and the isolation, all that kind of stuff, they, then it, it makes sense that the other, another group that is disproportionately represented or disproportionately affected are, are mothers, women, mothers, right. because, you know, they tend to be the ones that tended to be the ones that stayed home to, to manage kids at home. Yeah, mothers, mothers, again, were disproportionately affected. Um, 
um, at a rate of three to one. So happy Mother's Day, because you guys have had a tough, a tough year. Okay, um, women were affected uh, at a rate of three to one. Um, they were the most affected by school closings because it was just expected that mom would stay home. Uh, now that the kids were home, many mothers had to voluntarily give up employment mm -hmm. or change their schedules to be home with the children. Um, and women in the workforce, uh, the number of women in the workforce is the lowest since 1988. And that's another, that's a long time ago. Yeah. Uh, and that's the lowest rate since 1988. Um, also, we know that women tend to be in those occupations that were most affected. That would be the restaurants, um, uh, maintenance, you know, cleaning, um, the sort of hotel. And in our area, uh, when Disney closed, when the Disney closed its hotels, those hotels are cleaned and maintained by women. And all of those women uh, lost their jobs during the pandemic because when, when Disney closed. Um, there's, also, there's also been an increase in domestic violence and we hear about that occasionally, but then we forget about it. But the other thing that affected women was the increase in domestic violence. Yeah. And these numbers can be staggering. Uh, there was a 25% increase in Argentina, 33% in Singapore, and 300% in um, China, okay? In Japan, there were over 130,000 cases. That's the highest on record. And so women were not only affected with unemployment, with managing the homes, taking care of the kids who weren't in schools, but they were also the victims of domestic violence. And we can't forget about that. There again, those are going to have long-term effects. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. And so, you know, and we kind of alluded to this earlier um, mm -hmm. when we think about um, different populations of people who are disproportionately rep um, affected. You know, we think about um, despair. Mm -hmm. um, and in, in when we think about something called... Um, deaths of despair or suicides from despair. We're talking about people who are experiencing some of these mental health conditions and you know, end up dying of suicide or alcohol poisoning or substance abuse overdose and things like that. Um, and you, you said this earlier, but while the suicide rates itself has not increased in the United States, as far as the data that we have so far, um, these deaths from despair has significantly increased somewhere between 50 and 100% um, right. over the past year. Um, that's right. Yeah, it's, that's staggering. Right. And I, and I like this concept of deaths of despair because, yeah. you know, we, we talk about um, of the malaise mm -hmm. or the words that we've used to describe languishing. We did a talk about languishing a few weeks ago. Mm -hmm. And so it's all about despair. These are called deaths of despair. And they would be, we tracked deaths of despair by suicide, alcohol poisoning, and substance abuse. Mm -hmm. And as you said, suicides haven't increased, but substance abuse, deaths by substance abuse and alcohol poisoning have increased dramatically in this country. So yeah. almost, you know, we're talking about 52,000 deaths. If you don't believe this, talk to your local medical examiner. Yeah. Just call up the med med your local medical examiner and say, hey, what's going on? And you'll, you'll, you'll get um, an alternative an alarming um, description of what medical examiners are dealing with since the pandemic has struck. 
Right. Absolutely. And this, this, these kinds of, those kinds of um, effects hit, um, especially hit the um, lower socioeconomic status, hit poor people much harder than it does uh, other groups. And, um, you know, whether you're dealing, whether it's because of uh, lack of support, lack of support services, um, you know, less um, or fewer coping strategies uh, and things like that, but it does hit that population much with much greater rate than than other groups. So uh, it's unfortunate. Yep, they have been disproportionately affected. So so there's this, now he talks about the long view. The long view is really two things. One is we all know about long COVID or long haulers. We've heard that term. Uh, There are people who continue to have physical symptoms, respiratory, cardiovascular. In fact, there was a, uh, and GI problems. There was an article published um, just yesterday that COVID is a cardiovascular disease. The, the mechanism of action affects your cardiovascular system. The immediate effect is your lungs, but it, it really is a cardiovascular problem. I'm gonna to have to read more about that because that's again, a, a recent discovery. So we have people who continue to have physical symptoms. Those people are going to continue to have mental symptoms. Okay, so with the physical comes anxiety, depression, sleep disturbance if you're sick. So all that, uh, the long haulers are also going to be experiencing mental health issues. But the other thing is PTSD. And again, these are informative statistics. Um, If you go back to 9-11, 12% of first responders had PTSD as late as 2011. So 11, 10 years later, uh, they were still struggling with PTSD, 12%. Uh, We had a SARS outbreak in this country uh, a few years ago. 33% of the SARS patients had PTSD. So now we have much larger numbers of COVID patients. And if you think about 33% of the people who got COVID and survived are going to, could experience PTSD. Right. When we talk about teenagers, you know, they, th- this could appear later on, or people who were sick at age 30 might still be struggling when they're in their forties. Right. And, and especially with, you know, teenagers and adolescents, because um, the, the effects that it has on them and has had on their lives, mm-hmm. um, it could have, it, it could continue to manifest, you know, for, for many, many years into their future. So um, yeah, the, the latent problems that th- this could cause mental health wise, um, mm-hmm. you know, we have to keep that in mind. Okay. So we have these, we have this um, tsunami of very discouraging statistics, alarming, uh, but they're informative statistics. Okay. So yes, it's alarming, but, but it's not depressing. These are not depressing statistics. They inform us. Um, about the challenges that we face. And this writer, um, Boone, um, said that we have reasons for optimism. One is um, online therapy has made therapy more available to more people. People who wouldn't be able to access therapy prior to the pandemic are now able to do so. And all of us are accustomed to online therapy. That's a sign for optimism. Second, Um, more people have experienced mental health effects, mental health problems. And so 
more people are sensitive now to say, wow, this is a real thing. Right. People are struggling. I remember when I felt anxiety, when I felt depression. So the additional awareness will lead to additional sensitivity. Right. And, um, and, and that we're hopeful, but the future will not be the same for most of us. We can be, we are all beginning to experience hope. Right. Okay. With the vaccine, with the numbers going down, um, we are all beginning to get hopeful that perhaps we're finally moving out of this, mm -hmm. uh, um, out of the restrictions, right. out of the masking, out of all the things that we've had to live with. But it's not going to be the same. We're not going into the old world. Right. We're not going back to where we were. Right. We are still going to be affected by what's happened in the past 18 months. Yeah, and, and I think that that's, these are all, that's all part of the, the overall take-home message that we want people to, to take from this podcast is that you know, mental health problems have significantly increased um, okay. over the course of the past year. And, and, but it, it, you know, things like masks and social distancing and all those things, these are part of the, the reality now that we're living with. And, and we need to work towards accepting some of those things as opposed to, you know, we keep, there are people who keep fighting against and pushing against that, which only makes the mental health problems even worse because now we're talking about anger and we're talking about frustration and anxiety. Right. Um, so, you know, we need to get to a point where we can accept that some of these things are the way that they are now. Um, and and is into the foreseeable future. We don't, we don't know how long it's going to be that way. Right. Yeah. Because we talk about, you know, throughout this entire pandemic, we've had all this talk about, well, it's a hoax. First, it was a hoax, and then it wasn't real, and then it was not serious. And we, we've, we've, we've had all these arguments and issues, and we know it was politicized. We've been through all that. But look at India. Look at Brazil. I mean, India right now is completely overwhelmed. Okay? Right. This, thing is not, this thing is not over, and it is real. And, and, but now the real is mental health. Now we're going to have to deal with the mental health um, uh, consequences of this illness. And the mental health consequences are overwhelming and they're very, very real for, for half the population. Right. Okay. So, yeah. you know, if you had a pre existing condition that got worse, if you didn't have a pre existing condition, you may be experiencing mental health problems for the first time in your life. Right. And, and especially among those, those, those groups who are disproportionately um, affected, like women and um, poor people, uh, people in, in that lower socioeconomic status and, and younger kids, kids and adolescents. Yeah. Um, remember that some people have been more affected than you may have been affected. I, I hear people still laughing about making jokes about, um, well, the, you know, this was not a big deal or this wasn't real or we shouldn't have been wearing masks. Remember that some people have been far more affected by this than others. And please try to remain sensitive to them. I mean, maybe right. you weren't, but others were. And right. they include women, the poor, and the young. Yeah. And, and, and by doing that, you know, hopefully we can decrease some of the additional effects, mental health effects that this has. You know, right. the, the, the more that we argue and complain and offend each other, the more mental health problems we're going to have. And so we need to keep those things in mind. 
Yeah, and if you're, if you're struggling with anxiety and depression and somebody tells you, oh, this was all a big joke, this was all a hoax, you know, what, this was never a problem. Well, your depression and anxiety are problem. That for you, that's a very real problem. And to be told that, that it's not a problem or this is, you shouldn't be worried about it uh, makes, makes other people's mental health much worse, okay? Right. So if you were fortunate enough to have been spared um, COVID, yeah. okay? Consider yourself blessed. I mean, God bless you that you were that you weren't affected by it. Mm-hmm. Um, but rather than viewing your good fortune as just additional evidence that COVID was a hoax or it was never the problem we were told it was, just think about all of the people who have been affected. You know, over five hundred thousand people died. That's that's five hundred thousand families that have been affected by this thing. Look at, um, look at Brazil, look at um, India, what they're going through. Um, consider yourself fortunate, but don't use your good fortune to minimize what has happened in the past 18 months. Yeah, absolutely. We're all struggling in different ways. Um, and we need to, to keep that in mind. And remember that we're part of a you know, part of a society, part of a, a, a group, a collective. And, um, you know, one person in, in some of these situations, you know, one person can make a difference because if you are protecting yourself, each person that protects themselves is, is protecting many other people. And right. so, you know, wearing your mask and, and being mindful of the things that you say and the things that you, um, the sensitivity that you're, you're sharing with other people. And, you know, it's important and can go a long ways, not just to prevent the ongoing spread of COVID, but also to, to help minimize or to lessen the mental health effects that all of this has had on everybody. That's right. Because early on in the, in the pandemic, we asked people to be sensitive to the, the morbidity and the mortality people who died and got very sick with COVID and, and so, so there were people dying and there were people getting very, very sick and there are people who still are very, very sick from COVID. And yet we had large numbers of people saying it's a big joke or it's a hoax or it's not serious or this is stupid, we shouldn't be doing this. Um, imagine how that made people feel who were affected directly um, or, or through other family members. And now we have the same issue with mental health issues. You know, let, let's be sensitive to people who are really struggling during these difficult times. Um, we do that. We owe that to each other. Absolutely. So, all right. Well, I think that is it for today. Until next time, stay happy, stay healthy, and forget to be afraid. <laughs>